For the rest of us, we're in Proverbs chapter 3. We're going to start in verse 28 as you turn there in your Bibles. Let me just say this briefly. It's kind of our standard caveat before this series through Proverbs. In our passage this morning, uh, you're not going to find mention of the cross or the resurrection or the Holy Spirit or even Jesus. And that's because we're in, we're in Proverbs and that's just not what Proverbs is about. Proverbs is written as a response to salvation, not a means to acquire it. It doesn't answer the question, how can I be saved? It answers the question, now that I have been saved, how then shall I live? What do I do? What do I boast in? What do I make a big deal out of in my life? And so this morning, we'll, we'll look at several passages in Proverbs and the rest of scripture to help us acquire wisdom for our boasting. So starting in Proverbs 3, verse 28, hear now God's word. Do not say to your neighbor, go and come again. Tomorrow I will give it when you have it with you. Do not plan evil against your neighbor who dwells trustingly beside you. Do not contend with a man for no reason when he has done you no harm. Do not envy a man of violence and do not choose any of his ways. For the devious person is an abomination to the Lord, but the upright are in his confidence. The Lord's curse is on the house of the wicked, but he blesses the dwelling of the righteous. Towards the scorners he is scornful, but to the humble he gives favor. The wise will inherit honor, but fools get disgrace. This is the word of the Lord. Three different doctors were asked to identify the main problem of this one patient. They were each trying to impress their head doctor, so they each pleaded their case for a, a different symptom. We gotta start with the infection, or it's gonna spread to the rest of the body. But the next doctor said, no, no, we have to start with the heart. It's failing. The heart pumps lifeblood to every part of the body. We need to fix the heart. And the third one said, you're both wrong. She has a buildup of pressure in her skull. And in case you forgot, that's where the brain is. We got to start there. They each pleaded their case. Well, the doctor they were all reporting to, the senior doctor, just quietly said, you're all wrong. And he asked them one more question. You wake up in the morning, your wallpaper's peeling off, your curtains are gone, and there's a funny smell. Which one do you fix first? None of them. You leave because your house is on fire. And so I, I, I tell you that because we often ask ourselves, okay, what's our biggest problem? What's the thing I have to address first? Too often in our lives, we try to manage symptoms right? I'm angry. I got to deal with that. I'm super anxious. I need to address that. I need to be still. I, I love money too much. I love things too much. And all the while we fail to realize that there's an underlying disease of pride, of arrogance, of boasting in the wrong thing. As C.S. Lewis puts it, and you'll see it on the slides, the essential vice, the utmost evil is pride. 
unchastity, anger, greed, drunkenness, and many more are mere flea bites in comparison. Pride leads to every other vice. Now, I don't mean to brag, but I, I'm sort of an expert in boasting in myself. Um, so, so the preparation for this morning has been much needed correction and medicine for my soul. And so my prayer this week has been that the Holy Spirit would show all of us the danger of pride, the danger of boasting in anything but God, and the power of the gospel to change our hearts. So the question for us this morning, the question I'd like for all of us to consider and wrestle with this week is, what are you boasting in? What are you making much of? What are you making a big deal out of in your life? It's an important question. And as we'll see, boasting in ourselves brings defeat. Boasting in ourselves involves deceit. And boasting, but boasting in God requires deliverance. Let's start in Proverbs chapter 3. Boasting in ourselves brings defeat. In Proverbs 3, we read these words. Toward the scorners, he is scornful, but to the humble, he gives favor. Pride, arrogance, boasting, they're all about elevation. They're all about going up. We elevate ourselves in our own minds, and we try to elevate ourselves in the minds of others. And in doing so, we seek something. We seek favor, approval, recognition. We seek the favor of God. We seek the favor of others. We seek to be favorable in our own eyes. But scripture says that the way to go up is down. It is to the humble that God gives favor. This is a verse that is quoted in, in the biblical sense. When we quote someone, we, we do it word for word, but scripture quotes a little bit differently. Both, both James and Peter quote this verse. We're going to look at Peter because James says a very similar thing. In 1 Peter 5, Peter tells the elders and those called to submit to the elders this. Clothe yourselves, all of you, not just the elders, not just the people following the elders, all of you. Clothe yourselves like you put on clothes. Clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. For, and then here's the quotation, you'll notice it's a little bit different. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Towards the scorners, he is scornful, but to the humble, he gives favor. It's the same, it's the same thing. Humble yourselves, therefore, because he opposes the proud, because he gives grace to the humble, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. And then you're given a reason. It's not just because God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble, but because there's something waiting for you on the other side. Humble yourselves so that at the proper time he may exalt you. There's a pattern. Humble yourselves so that you will be truly exalted. But if you boast in yourself in an effort to elevate your status before God and others, the Holy Spirit warns us, in Proverbs, in James, in Peter, in many other places, that God opposes the proud. He exalts the humble. So there's an irony. There, there's, there's a disgusting irony in being arrogant. You want to go up, but you're going to go down. 
And it's the ones who go down who will eventually go up. The first shall be the last. The humble will be exalted. I'm reminded of the cinematic masterpiece, Cars 3. They made three of them. The main character, as you can imagine, in Cars is a car. He's a race car. And he's used to winning. But what he doesn't realize is that technology has improved. It's passed him by, right? And because technology has improved, the speed of the competition has improved. The way they train has improved. But he doesn't care. He's not going to change. He doesn't want to admit that he's older and maybe a little bit slower. I've never had that struggle. He's just going to train harder. He's just, just going to get faster. He's just going to do it his way. And that's basically the whole movie. But in the last 20 minutes, as you can imagine, it doesn't go well for him. He struggles. Until like the last 15 minutes of the movie where he realizes, he finally admits that it would be better for someone else to race in his place. It would be better for his trainer to race in his stead. And he ends up coaching her to victory and everyone feels great at the end of the movie. But, but the point is, if, if the main character had stuck with his pride, if he kept clinging to those things that he boasted in, his speed, his victories, his accolades, he would have been defeated. Boasting in yourself brings defeat. It was only when he humbled himself that victory was even a possibility. And so even in this silly kids movie, you see a biblical truth. When we constantly look for faults in others and carry with us a critical heart. That can come from a discerning spirit. It certainly can. But it can also come from pride. It can also come from an inner belief that you would do better. That you are doing better. When that same criticism that you so easily reflect on others is brought back on you when others criticize you or correct you, we can justify our reaction by claiming to just be responding. But our defensive response can be a result of prideful desires, of an arrogant desire to never admit wrong, never, admit we never show weakness. We can refuse to listen to criticism altogether because we can fix the problems. We can fix the problems in our marriages, in our jobs, in our hearts. The problem isn't that bad. You know who really needs help? You know who really needs counseling? You know who really needs to sit down with the elders? Her. That guy. They, they really need help. I'm fine. I don't want to waste your time, pastor, counselor. They need it. Not me. I'm okay. And all of this, all of this, brothers and sisters, comes from boasting in ourselves, from making much of something in ourselves, whether it's our reputation, our roles, or our relationships. We do this in an effort to elevate ourselves before God, before others, and even in our own minds. But this is self-defeating. Boasting in ourselves brings defeat because God shows favor and gives grace to the humble. He exalts those who are brought low. That's why, as Paul seeks to describe Jesus himself, we read this in Philippians 2. 
In describing Jesus, he, he calls him one who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, the same therefore that was in First Peter, therefore, God has highly exalted him. He brought himself low and then he was exalted. And he bestowed on him the name that is above every name. Our Lord Jesus, King of heaven and earth, was brought low for our sake. He suffered what looked like a defeat to bring us victory, to secure us victory over sin, over Satan, over death itself. Because Jesus didn't humble himself only to leave us an example to follow. Our pride makes it so that we don't want to follow other people's examples. We want to follow our own. No, Jesus did all of this so that we would be united to him and we would have the ability to be humble in him. That's why in the very previous verses, we're still in Philippians 2. We just read verses 6 through 9. Here's verses 3 through 5. You're given commands. Commands that, if you're honest with yourself, are impossible. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. Nothing. But in humility, count others not just significant, but more significant than yourselves. Again, impossible. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. How do I do this? Well, you're supposed to have this mind. It's a mindset. It's a heart posture among yourselves. But it's already yours in Christ. That's the beauty of the gospel. That is the pattern of the gospel. It's not just look to Jesus and be like him. It's look at what Jesus has done and look at what he has given you the ability to do in him. That's the beauty of the gospel. That is the power of the gospel. Proverbs offers you the wisdom. Do this and it will go well with you. But in Jesus, we have the ability. Have this humble mind, which is already yours in Jesus Christ. And just as he was exalted we are in, who are in him will be exalted. That's good news, amen? But boasting in ourselves not only brings defeat, at its very core, boasting in ourselves involves deceit. Now, Proverbs doesn't tell a story like Genesis or Judges, but there are often groupings. Uh, you can see one in Proverbs chapter 21. That was your cue to put it, yeah. yeah. So in verse 2, there's a logic here. We're going to read three verses. This is verse 2. Every way of a man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the heart. Keep that, no, 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 keep it out there for just a second. So we're experts. Uh, we're, we're really, really good at justifying our own actions and thoughts. Everything we do, we do for a reason, right? But, but the Lord is not as easily fooled as we are. He sees into the heart. And so now we see verse 3. To do righteousness and justice 
is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. Okay? So because the Lord loves the humble and gives them favor and not the boastful, it's really tempting to like, okay, here we go. I'm going to be humble. What do humble people do? Oh, they, they sacrifice. They, they do Christian things. They say the right things. They listen to holy music. They uh, watch Reformed sermons. They put Christian podcasts in their cars on the way to work. Okay, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that. That's what humble people do. Now, we don't do those things intentionally to be deceitful. We do them because they're good. But our hearts are so deceitful that we are capable of taking even good things and using them for sinful purposes. And if we do those things in an effort to boast in ourselves, we're deceiving ourselves because the Lord weighs the heart. And when we do these things to boast in our goodness, this is what the Lord sees in verse 4. Haughty eyes. That's like an idiom in Scripture that, that means arrogance. It has nothing to do with your actual eyes. It, it's just a saying. Haughty eyes and a proud heart, the lamp of the wicked, our sin. We can try to deceive others. We might succeed. We can even get to a point where we put on an act for so long that we deceive ourselves. But the Lord weighs the heart. The Lord sees the truth. Pride, arrogance, boasting in the wrong things. And He sees these things when we boast because the very nature of boasting in ourselves is a lie. And so we're not, we're not just talking about the fish stories, right? Where at first, like the first day you catch this fish, it was this big, right? And then you tell the story five years later, and it was this big. And then ten years later, well, no, I'm pretty sure he was this big. And, and it, right? We're not just talking about that. The very essence of boasting in yourself is a lie, even when the story is true. Because boasting is making much of something. It's making a big deal out of something. And when you make much of power or popularity or possessions, you're telling others and yourself that those are the things that are of supreme value. Those are the things that are worth making much of. When you boast in how many people like you, you're telling other people that that's what matters, how many people like you. When you make a big deal out of how much money you have, you're telling other people and yourself, that's what matters. That's what's worth building your life around, having lots of money. Or maybe you don't care about money, but you boast in that. Or maybe it's your intelligence, or your diet, or your workout regimen, whatever it is. When we make much of those things, we are communicating to others that those are the things worth making much of. And therefore, those are the things worth building your life around. And that is a lie. Boasting in ourselves necessarily involves deceit. Look at Proverbs chapter 16. In two verses, the author says this, verse 5, Everyone who is arrogant in heart, is an abomination to the Lord. Be assured, he will not go unpunished. And a few verses later, in verse 19, the author writes, It is better to be of lowly spirit with the poor than to divide the spoil with the proud. The reason 
arrogance is such an abomination to God is because of the destructive lies it involves. It points you to yourself as the ultimate means of focus. It is a violation of the very first commandment not to have any other gods before the one true God. All sin, all sin tells you that you're missing something, right? It's the very nature behind advertising. You're missing this. Your life isn't complete without this product. All sin does the same thing. But pride, pride is a little bit different because pride tells you that you're missing something you deserve. You deserve more attention and recognition. You deserve more money and a more lavish lifestyle. You deserve more rest. You, you deserve more obedient children, more understanding parents, a more loving spouse. And while some of those things can be good, we deceive ourselves when we believe that we deserve them and when we believe that those are the things that will satisfy. And the reason that grieves God is because of the lengths he has gone to to convey the truth. We still believe the same lies that Adam and Eve believed in the garden so many years ago, that God is holding back good things from his children, and that is just not the truth. We wish we had more money. We wish we had better health. We wish we had better relationships. But all of those things are not the main problem. Look at what Paul reminds us of in Romans chapter 8. He says, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? We think the Lord is withholding the money that will make us happier. We think the Lord is withholding the, the health that will make us happier, the better relationships that will make us happier, the popularity, the better job that will make us happier. We believe God is holding back good things. But if he gave us his son, what greater thing is there to hold back? If he gave us his son, how will he not also with him graciously give us all the things that we need? We boast in ourselves. We make much of what we have and don't have, what we do and don't do, because we believe the lie that those things will satisfy. We believe the lie that that's what's missing from our lives. And if we had those things, we'd be happy. But God intervenes with the truth of his son on the cross. Jesus died to address your real problem, which is sin. And in Jesus, we can cling to the promise of a, of a new heaven and a new earth where sin and Satan and death don't exist. And in Jesus, we have the ability to live out the wisdom of humility, to not fall for the lies that our hearts tell us, that, our, that the world tells us, that Satan tells us, but to earnestly believe and live out the truth that our Father loves to give good gifts to his children. Amen. And so in that hope, in that hope, if it's foolish to boast in our abilities, our stuff, our knowledge, do we just not boast at all in anything? Well, no, we saw from our confession, we see from Scripture, boasting in ourselves brings defeat, 
Boasting in ourselves involves deceit, but boasting in God requires deliverance. Look at Proverbs chapter 8. The author tells us, The fear of the Lord is hatred of evil, pride and arrogance, and the way of evil and perverted speech I hate. And then in Proverbs 22, he writes this, The reward for humility and fear of the Lord is riches and honor and life. Our hearts are wired toward boasting. Our hearts are inclined towards making much of something. Sports, family, stuff, skills. As we often say during our call to worship, nobody comes neutral. Everyone worships. Everyone boasts and makes much of something. But because of our sinful wiring, we boast in things that are not worth making much of. So how, how do we go from boasting in ourselves, boasting in our things, to, to boasting in God? How do we go from boasting in things that are not worth it to boasting in things that are? 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Paul writes, and because of him, God You, church, are in Christ Jesus. You're in Christ Jesus. Jesus isn't like a nice attachment. Jesus isn't far away and he sort of gives you what you need. He launches righteousness and peace at you. No, he has peace. He has righteousness and you're in him. And because of God, you are in Christ Jesus. And what does that mean? Well, he became to us wisdom from God. He became to us sanctification and righteousness and redemption. So that, so that, purpose clause, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boasts in the Lord. It's a quote from Jeremiah. I invite you to look it up on your own. We must boast in the Lord and the things that come from him. How do we do that? Jesus He is our wisdom, our righteousness, our sanctification, our redemption. In in other words, Jesus is our deliverance from the sin that causes us to boast in ourselves. Jesus is our deliverance that enables us to boast in the Lord. My only question, and it should be your question as well, is what does that look like? What does it look like to boast in the Lord? Is it bragging? My God's better than your God. Look how much God has blessed me. Is it, is it the opposite, as we often call it, like putting ourselves down, right? Who, me? No, I, I'm, I'm not good at sports. I, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty stupid, actually, too. And uh, basically, I, I don't know why anyone ever wants to spend any time with me. Uh, see how humble I am? No, but both of these... Our, our approaches. Both of these approaches are just another form of pride. They look very different. They come from the same source. The focus is on us. We're still boasting in ourselves when we do those things. No, boasting in God is much subtler. It's not just what you say, it's what you do. It's what you think. It's even what you feel. 
Because Jesus is our deliverer and he has delivered us. This world has nothing to offer. Do you believe that? The only reason I boast in myself is to gain something from the world. To gain admiration, attention, awe. But in Jesus, the Son of God, we have someone who is truly worth our admiration. Truly worth our attention. Truly worth our awe. And so you see now how scripture handles not just our pride, but all of our sin. God doesn't tell us, stop being so arrogant, you fool. That's not the pattern of scripture. He warns us of its dangers. He shows us how foolish it is. And then he points us to something truly worth boasting in. He doesn't just say, stop boasting. He says, redirect your boasting. He doesn't just tell you, stop lying. He shows you the truth and says, you have no reason to lie. And so Christian, I I don't want you walking out of here saying, I need to stop boasting in myself. I need to stop boasting in myself. I need to stop boasting in myself. That might be a good start, but, but you need a destination. Because if you stop boasting in your intelligence, you're just going to boast in something else. Scripture redirects our boasting to Jesus. And so this this week, I invite you to ask yourself this question. What are you boasting in? What are you making much of? Your athletic ability? Your good looks? Your intelligence? Your ability to figure things out quicker than those around you? Your way around words? Your financial prowess? Your ability to make friends and be liked? your organizational skills, your knowledge of scripture. I could keep going. I spent a lot of time on this. As you ask yourself these questions, the next step is not to diminish any of those things or to boast in them. The next step is to boast, to make much of the one who gave you those things and abilities. To realize that those were given to you as a blessing so that you might then use them to be a blessing to others. And when we do that, when we realize the danger of boasting in ourselves and realize how loved we are by the God who delivered us from our own pride and its consequences, an amazing thing happens. And we're going to close with this. Second Corinthians chapter 12. Paul. Good old Paul. He writes this. I invite you to read the larger chapter in context. But he writes this in chapter 12 of 2 Corinthians. So to keep me from being conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations he was receiving, a thorn was given me in the flesh. We don't know what it is. He calls it a messenger of Satan to harass me. To keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this. That it, should be, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, Paul says, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses. Who else can say that but a Christian? I am content 
with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. That is your hope, Christian. When, when our boasting is in the Lord and not in anything in, in us, Christians have the singularly unique ability to boast even in weaknesses. Even when faced with insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. Because when we are weak, then because of Christ in us, we are strong. Amen? Pray with me, please. Lord, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for the power of the gospel to change our hearts. Thank you that though pride so often takes hold of our hearts, your word is graciously relentless. It, it does not let us continue to fall into sin. It rescues us. It shows us the truth. Thank you for that love, for that grace, for that sh shepherding. And we pray that we would continue to see that in this table and throughout the week. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. At this time, our, our children are going to rejoin us, uh, and so we welcome them, because you, you've just heard the gospel, and our hope is that you will now see the gospel in this bread and in this cup. In fact, a lot of these children that are coming in are part of our communicants class, where they're getting ready to hopefully one day partake of this table. So as a reminder, uh, I'll do this on the front end so I don't have to do this later. Uh, the bread is gluten-free and the, the cup we serve is non-alcoholic. And so let me remind you, um, let me remind the adults who were here and let me tell the kids who just came in. We just spent a lot of time talking about boasting, which is making much of something, making a big deal out of something. All of us, kids, adults, seniors, we, we make much of something. Something is really important to us. Look what Paul says in Galatians chapter 6. He says, Far be it from me to boast, to make a big deal out of anything, except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the, the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. That's what this table is all about. It is about showing us what our sins deserve, suffering and death. The Lord gave up his body and his blood because that's what our sins deserve. And so he took that punishment and suffering in our place so that we would be free. This table shows us the love of God for his people. If you don't believe that that was necessary for you, if you feel comfortable standing before God because you're just not that bad of a person, then this table is not yet for you. Because this table is for God's people who humbly recognize their need of a deliverer. This table is not for you if you feel comfortable standing on your own two feet before a holy God. If that is you, we welcome you to stay, to observe, to sing, but to let the elements pass you by. And consider what you've heard this morning. God opposes the proud. We will all stand before God.
He will give grace to the humble. He will show his favor to the lowly, but he will oppose proud. And so likewise, if you're holding a grudge, if you are withholding forgiveness, if you claim to be a believer, but you are living a life of continuous, unrepentant sin, we likewise ask that you let the elements pass you by. You are, you're, you're claiming to be part of God's people, but your actions are showing otherwise. We are not here to condemn you or act superior to you. We're simply here to remind you of the gracious word of God. Repent and believe the gospel. Until you have committed to do so, we would invite you to let the elements pass you by. But if you are struggling here this morning, if you are doubting, if you are sinning continually, like all of us are, but grieving that sin and repenting from that sin, then this table is precisely for you. In our weakness, Christ shows us to be strong. Come and taste and see that the Lord is good and come find strength for your weakness. As, as the elders uh, come forward to serve us uh, this, this table, these elements, I invite you to pray with me. Thank you for this table, Lord. It shows us our need of a Savior. It shows us the depths of your love for your people. May we never doubt how much God loves his people. May we never doubt how much our Father loves his children. Because in this table, we are reminded on a regular basis that you were willing and did give up your Son for us. Thank you for that. May we never take it for granted. May this table strengthen us. And we pray this all in the strong name of Jesus Christ. Amen.